We are in Mark chapter 11. And I want to back up to verse 22. We, we had a quick look at that last week, but I want to go back to it. Several of the uh, more than 27 Muslims, the reason I say more than, um, that's how many we know for certain were in that group that came last week. But we had a couple of others who have since said it was closer to 40. There are a lot of white Muslims who don't wear Muslim garb. And so a few of the other visitors were actually Muslim that we did not spot last week. But afterwards, we adjourned to Mellow Mushroom because um, that gives them options. Uh, they're allowed to eat meat, but only if it's sacrificed or killed in a certain way, halal, uh, very much like the Jews. And so that gave them the opportunity to do vegetarian and such. So we all went there. Uh, they kept us with questions for two hours. And they could have stayed longer. Uh, it was, and the one thing, and since then I've gotten text and uh, emails and social media posts uh, about that from the Muslims. And 100% of them were talking about how much love and welcome they felt here and how amazed they are of our stories that we are able to tell them why we believe what we believe and such. And it's just, it really touched them to the point where people have asked what next steps are. I'm letting Nahed Zir, uh, who is a Palestinian Christian woman who's heading Faith and Culture Center, I'm letting her make the timing of this, but we believe what we're going to be doing is arranging times, like, for example, that Kami and I would invite uh, a couple of Muslim couples into our home and have a meal, and then they would respond by, return, by us going to their home. And we just keep those connections going like this until we can know each other. And I have to, I, I meant to say this during the sermon. I'm, I guess I'm just going to make a note and do it next week. But I could not be more proud of anybody than I am of Fourth Avenue. You guys were amazing. You guys were exactly where they should have come. And you, with your love, your openness, and your courage, let's just be honest, your courage, because the world wants you to be afraid and you weren't, you have made an impact. Every, now, it could be that I've missed something, but everything I've seen on social media has been positive. And every reaction I've gotten from somebody in 4th Avenue has been positive. When does that ever happen? Right? You can say, I like puppies. Puppies stink. They fell up the yard. You know, you, no matter what you say, people are going to go after you. But not this one. So thank you. Back to uh, Mark 11, verse uh, 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I say to you, if anyone says, says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. We brought up last week that a lot of people misapply scripture. You always have to figure out who was it written to, who wrote it, why was it written, when was it written, and where was it written, before you can really apply the text. And as I've used the phrase many times, a text without a context is a pretext. So whenever it says you'll get whatever you pray for, who was he saying it to, his disciples? When, at a time where miracles were being done left and right, does that mean we can't move mountains? Oh no, we move mountains, do we not? 
what amazes me is when I see a crisis in a third world country, a mudslide in Peru, takes out a village, and they have nothing. They've got nothing but their hands and a few buckets. And yet, bucket by bucket, hand by hand, they clear the rubble, they rebuild. It takes forever, but they don't stop until it's done. And just like that rich man getting through the eye of a needle, it's kind of like a camel getting through the eye of the needle, or a rich man into heaven is like a camel through the eye of a needle. Uh, it can be done, but it's hard work, and it's all of your life. You have to kill the, the camel, grind it up, and stuff it through there, but you can get through there. It's just this is your life's work now. Moving a mountain might be your life's work. That's what he really said to Jeremiah. When he, he called Jeremiah out, he said, um, you're not allowed to marry, you're not allowed to go to parties, you can't even go to funerals, because they can party at a funeral. Uh, you can own property, but you cannot make yourself rich off of it. Uh, and you, and here's, the, here's more of the bad news. It wasn't a good news, bad news. There's even more bad news. The people will never listen to what you have to say, but you have to say it to lay a foundation for the next people to say what they need to say. Just like in a field, you have to clear it. Then you have to get the rocks out. You've cleared the brush, get the rocks out. Then you have to plow it. Then you have to fertilize it. You have to plant it, plant it, fertilize, whichever order that is. Then you have to water it. You have to get ready for it to grow. And once it grows, then you can harvest. The person who clears the ground may never live to see the harvest. Can we move mountains? Oh, yeah. This is America. I was thinking that yesterday as we drove up to this camp, which is located in an undisclosed location, evidently. Uh, it is, it's, it's in southern Kentucky, and I... I, I like Kentucky, it's not as, but this place, I, I was telling Cammie, where do they go for groceries here? I think you have to drive an hour and a half to find, you know, a 7-Eleven. But you get up in, into these, these regions. As we were driving along, every so often we would be driving over a field because Americans can't be bothered with driving down and then up. So there's a bridge. I was thinking, this is an exceptionally expensive bridge to save some corn. But then you drive the interstate, you don't drive over mountains either, do you? You cut them. That way you can see all of geology and explain to your kids geology as you're driving through. America is a fantastic place. If the government were to decide tomorrow that all road signs need to be two feet higher, you wouldn't raise the signs, you would lower the roads. You are, you are an amazing people, let me tell you. We can move mountains, but it's going to take a community effort. It's going to take your entire life. It will not be instant. You're going to have to keep faith in the long run. Do you understand that now? It's going to be a long-term faith. I am so excited about the church my grandsons and granddaughter will get to have. But I have no idea what it will look like. My job is just to get things ready for them to move the story a bit further down the road. Move mountains. He also says here that if you want forgiveness, you have to forgive others. That's a pretty powerful thing. I'm not going to even ask, has anybody ever hurt you badly? Everybody in this room is at a certain age that somebody has hurt you badly. Can you forgive them? Bernie Siegel, who was a um, top cancer surgeon for many years, he's retired now, and then wrote two huge best-selling books in the 80s, uh, Peace, Love, and Miracles was the first one about how our heart and our faith affect our ability to heal. He um, does a guided meditation for his cancer patients 
and those that have other terminal illnesses, not just cancer, but a terminal illness with cancer. And I was with him once in upstate New York and watched him do it. And his metaphor is a bridge. He says, you have to go from here to here. But as you cross the bridge, and this takes a while for him to do it, you're, you, you're meeting the people you have something against. You're meeting the people that hurt you. You're meeting the people that let you down. You know, and all the time, the, the thing is to tell them, you forgive them and you're letting them go, but they can stay on the bridge. You're moving on. And that whole concept of, I'm moving on. I'm not carrying them anymore. When I ran a clinic for eight years, I was the last resort in that town. I, I don't know how many people lived in Lancaster at the time, but the doctors would circle, you know, do the circuit of doctors, and if they all couldn't help you, they'd send you to me. And I remember one lady, I actually knew this lady because she's a member of our church, but she didn't tell me she's having all this problems until she walked into my clinic. And she came in, sat down, she said, had lower back pain, you know, shoulders hurt, and I've been to this, this, this doctor, and nobody can find what's wrong with me. And so they sent me to you. And I looked at her and I said, so who's on your back? And she just froze. She goes, is that important? And I'm like, yeah, could be. Who's on your back? We started talking. She had some people she needed to forgive and let go. And it was pretty bad stuff they'd done to her. But she did. She was a strong woman. Um, again, if you want forgiveness, you're going to have to dump some stuff off. Let God handle that. Instead, forgive. By the way, side note, I've had people say, only God can forgive sins. In, in some ways, that's correct. But God did tell us that if we forgave sins, he did. And if we didn't, he didn't. Do you remember that? He said, if your blessing falls on the house, my blessing will be there. If you don't say the blessing for the house, it will not show up. You have a job to do then, don't you? Go around bless people, forgiving them. Any questions about the prayer thing or the blessing thing or the forgiving thing before we move on to the next bit? We've only got about another 25 minutes today. Preacher went too long. You ought to fire that guy. Or pay him overtime. Uh, that, that, anyway. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. Oh, boy. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you authority to do this? Who's given you authority to teach our people? We're in charge of all religious instruction here. Jesus replied, I'll ask you one question. Answer me, and I'll tell you by whose, what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism was not from heaven or human origin. Tell me. <laughs> they discussed it amongst themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he'll say, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people, for everyone held that, Jesus, that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. This went dishonest. What's the whole point? They're trying to keep their power and monopoly. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. Saying, no, you're not going to be play straight with me. I'm not playing with you. You don't have to get engaged in even religious arguments. Jesus didn't. Even his own apostles came to him once and said, is it now that we ride into Jerusalem? And he said, you know, let's not worry about what times and dates and let's... It's his way of saying, no, that's not. Relax. You don't have to get involved in religious arguments. 
There, somebody tried to get me involved in one yesterday on Facebook. There is a little thing about Genesis 127. Is the Elohim there a royal we? Or was he talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Or were he talking to angels? And people were piling in. You know something? To join that, you actually have to use voluntary muscles to say, type these words. I didn't tell my muscles to do it. And they would say, well, and they would even tag me. You know, Patrick Mead, let's see what Patrick says. You can tag all you want to. Yeah. Why? Because I don't care. God made us in his image. Who is he talking to? I think it was Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Does it affect my faith if I get to heaven and find out he was talking to Bob the angel? No. So what am I going to fight about this now? The answer is, I'm not going to fight about this. You don't have to get engaged. People throw a, you know, thing up, you know, a meme on social media. Share this if you love Jesus. Really? Really? Do you think you're going to get to heaven one of these days and Jesus is going to say, I got to tell you, I was a little hurt you didn't share it. That you didn't share the shining Jesus with the glowing eyes and the twinkly lamb. And I'm, I'm a little hurt. Stop it. By the way, almost all those memes are replete with viruses. And that's why they want you to share them. They hook into people's computers. So just a, a thought. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. By the way, this is one of the most stunning terrifying parable. It is the most stunning, terrifying parable Jesus ever said. And it ties in with those chief priest rulers of the synagogues and masters of the law. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, fit a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, built a watchtower. The man's invested, isn't he? He improved the land. He invested this land. He has rights to this land. It's his, and he worked on it. All right? Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. In America, that's called sharecropping. And that's normal. Uh, I don't think they call it sharecropping, but my wife's father, he's retired, but he has some side jobs like a lot of retired people do. He still consults in business, but he also raises longhorns. But he doesn't have enough land to raise the longhorns, so he rents the land from different people. You know how that works, right? We share this. Okay. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. There would be a percentage by weight that belongs to him. But they seized him, beat him, sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another. I bet that servant wasn't happy about the job. You know, it, this would be equivalent to wearing the red shirt on the old Star Trek. Do you remember those? You'd always send down three guys in blue shirts. They were the top officers. And one person you'd never seen before in a red shirt. Don't get to know him. Do not invest yourself in this character. He is going to die by the end. It's kind of like if a, if a Cartwright dates them. If, if they fall in love with a girl, there's no reason to remember her name. She will not be there next week. Uh, this is the way that, right? This is the way it goes. So third guy's going. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others killed. Now, the point, you might be saying, well, that's stupid. Why do you keep sending things? It's a parable. God kept sending prophets, kept sending people, and we kept mistreating them, beating some, killing some. God is saying, remember, I made you, I own you. You are to give me the obedience I call for. And what did we do? We killed the guys that told us that. 
We killed the women that told us that. We divided. We wouldn't listen. So you know where it's going now. Verse 6. You had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. All right, is that the way inheritance works? No, this is stupid. And the whole point is to make us understand that rebelling against God is stupid. C.S. Lewis said, you can't break the commandments. You can try, but the commandments will break you. I've often, that, that sentence has just stuck in my head since the first time I read it by the shores of the, the Ness River in Inverness, Scotland, in a used bookstore, and that's when I decided I'm going to pick up this book. It's called Mere Christianity. It's one of the reasons why I'm here. One of the main reasons why I'm standing right here right now is because I, I risked 50 pence on a used book in a bookstall by the River Ness. It, it whipped my head around. He said, you can try to break the commandments all you want to, but it's like defying gravity and deciding to break the law of gravity. You won't. Gravity will break you. Yeah, it will. My grandsons are growing up like weeds. At the same time, I'm shrinking. I don't care for gravity. Gravity is a problem. And yet, you can't break it. Moving on, the stupidity here. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this passage of scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in our eyes. That's Psalm 118. Then the chief priest, the teachers of the law and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. Really? Huh. <laughs> but they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. One of the things about the American Revolution, which for a while your government remembered, was that they can only serve at the pleasure of the people. It's more complex than that now, isn't it? Because all kinds of corporations, media, money has wrapped things around to where it's not as simple anymore. I can remember, and by the way, I, this is not an endorsement. I'm just saying, you know, we're, we're in and out. I can remember when Pat Buchanan was running for the uh, nomination. He never got the nomination. He was running for the, uh, in a primary thing. And he called once for the citizens to show up with pitchforks and torches. And I thought, that's, that was the entire news cycle for the next two weeks. How dare you? How dare you? Well, Thomas Jefferson said the tree of liberty needs to be watered with blood of revolution from time to time. But we forgot all that, didn't we? Uh, we were driving yesterday, going up to the camp. We had to drive by Cool Springs Galleria. And the parking lot on the side of the interstate is never, uh, very few people ever park there. It's packed. Why? I, I, I said, it's packed. My wife goes, it's tax-free weekend. I, I didn't know that. Didn't, but here's the here's point, people. We taxed your breakfast beverage two and a half cents, and you shot us. How much are you paying now? We also, you said you didn't want a royalty. Do you have one? Oh, yeah. They get special cars, special treatment. And no matter what health care they ever put in there, they don't have to have that. 
They don't have to have Social Security. What's my point here? My point here is maybe, maybe, I don't think you ought to rise up and shoot your policeman. Please don't. The point is, if you do not remember why you're free, you end up not being free. That's important. And in Christ, it's the same way. We are free in Christ. Don't let the chief priest, scribes, Pharisees, and rulers of the synagogues declare to you what is proper and what is not. Listen to Jesus. This, in many ways, Fourth Avenue is a revolutionary church because we are overthrowing the authorities that kept us in boxes. How are the authorities taking that? They're not all happy. I've had a few of them issue a fatwa against me. See, I came from the Al-Qaeda branch of the Church of Christ. We were the first Taliban Church of Christ. and um, Oh, my goodness. But guess what? Jesus said, this, this is why this is so important. You don't look at this and go, those stupid Jews, everybody's like this. You always lose, you know, the, the, the great poem that ends, this is the way, it says it three times. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. You can give it away. Jesus says, no, I have the authority to set them free. Remember Galatians? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do not, do not allow a yoke of bondage to be placed upon you. They knew, the chief priests knew, that if they gave in to Jesus, they lost their prestige, their income, and that special treatment. So they're going to fight to keep their special treatment. Just be aware. Um, I, I love dogs. I've always been a dog person. Don't have one now because I, I don't have the lifestyle that can support it. You know, I'm, I'm too busy. I'd love to rent a dog twice a day. I would, because they're just so happy to see you. You know, a cat is meh. But I hear a dog is going, he's back, he's alive, the world is good. You know, pet him for 15 minutes and put him in a box, ship him back to Amazon. I would love to be able to rent a dog a couple times a day. However, again, getting all excited here, getting out of line. Dogs, can you mistreat a dog, your best friend, and miss to where they're not of any use to you at all? Yeah. You can harm something that just wants to love you. Jesus just wants to love us, and what do we do with him? We beat him up by listening to the guys that want to keep control. But let's talk a little bit more about a dog. As much as I love dogs, dogs have an issue. If they're hurting, let's say they got hit by a bicycle or something, something's broken, and you reach down to touch them, what will they do? They'll bite you. And that's your best friend. That's your dog. He can't help it. How much more will the chief priest, the scribes, and the Sadducees bite you if you're about to take away their power and prestige? They will bring the gates of hell against you. And they did when they got the Romans to put Jesus on a tree. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. We don't really get that. You need to get this. This would be like the Republicans, the Democrats, and the Libertarians getting together with the Russians, with uh, Venezuela, with the Philippines, and, and, and North Korea to figure out, guys, let's all get in here because we've got to figure out a way to keep the people down. 
they were going to their worst enemies to say, let's form an alliance to kill this guy. That's how far the establishment will go to stop things like fourth and the love that we speak of here. Be aware. Don't be surprised. As a man told me recently, he, he said, you get shot a lot, but the first one over the wall gets shot. I said, yeah, you know, but somebody's got to go first. That's all right. There's a whole lot road, more road behind me than in front of me, so it's okay. I've had a rich and full life. Let's just go. They, they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. Ooh, watch out when your enemy starts complimenting you. By the way, that happens a lot. Most of the letters I get attacking me start off by telling me how great I am. Now, I don't agree with you on all things. Now, this trouble, or how much I love you, therefore I have to correct you. Really? Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You, you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. This is sickening, isn't it? But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. So, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? They're going to try to trap him. Did they not learn from the last attempt? This doesn't work well. Jesus, now why is it? Because if he says you should pay it, then he, they're going to turn to the Jews and say, this guy's collaborator with Rome. If he says not to pay it, they're going to run to the Romans and say, he's an insurrectionist. He's trying to... There's no good way to answer it. Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he said. Bring me a denarius. Let me look at it. That's interesting. Jesus didn't have a penny to his name. Bring me a denarius. They brought the coin. He asked them, whose image is this? Whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. But Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what's Caesar. Give to God what is God's. Wow. I told a group of people recently that voting in people who will tax your neighbors to feed the people you want fed is not charity. I said, government-run charity that you vote in is not, because if your neighbors don't have the same priorities you do, you've just authorized the government to roll against them with tanks. Use of force. And we're not supposed to be a people that would authorize the use of force against our neighbors. Instead, charity is personal, not governmental. You see a hungry person, you feed them. They need clothes, you get them clothes. That's your job. Not to hand it off to the government and say, I've, I've done my job. Have you ever heard somebody, when they see somebody homeless on the street, say, I'm not going to help them because I pay taxes for programs for people like this. Have you heard that? I've said it. I used to be one of those people. God has been very kind to teach me through my life. And I used to be one of those, there's no other word for it, jerks that would have said something like that. I have since learned, go ahead and pay the taxes. I've had other people say, you can't pay taxes, it supports a war machine. I know. But it's just money. Money is no issue to us. Let it go. We will serve God. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. My picture's not on the dollar bill. Um, they were amazed at him. Any questions you've got about any of that? Pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? You can tell a man by the, by the enemies he makes or she makes. 
And if you have high-quality enemies, it might be you're doing a good job. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, they didn't believe in miracles. They didn't think there was a, a resurrection of any sort. Uh, they didn't believe in angels and such. And that's why they were Sadducees. That's the easy way to remember them. Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Keep trying. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a, brother, a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. You don't get this. This was actually an extremely good act of kindness on God's part because if a woman lost her husband and she had no children, she had to go back to her father because a woman on her own would have been attacked, killed, enslaved, raped, abused. In fact, we saw that in the Old Testament, did we not? Even a sexually assaulted until death, we saw. So to protect them, the system was if, the, if her husband had, dead husband now, has any brothers, they must bring her in. Treat her as a wife. And in fact, to the point of not just let her be a roommate, but if she has no children, they were to lie together so that the woman had a chance to have children that would be risen, not the first, not the second husband, but the first husband's child. And so the land did not shift. Everybody had the same land through the generations because it didn't cross over. It, it worked really well. Sadducees are now going to do a stupid thing. Now, there were seven brothers. First one married and died without leaving any children. Second one married the widow, but he also died, leaving no child. Same with the third. By the way, I'd start getting nervous about this woman. But, uh, same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, remember they don't believe there is one, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, are you not in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They'll be like the angels in heaven. It's going to be different there. Are you going to be special to the people that were special? Yes, yes. Cammie and I will not be married in heaven but we will absolutely be special to each other. We may not be in the same heaven. I'll explain. Once I was talking to a kid, this is way back when we first came to America, he asked me what heaven was like, and I said, well, to me, heaven is a wee whitewashed cottage in an island off the coast of Scotland, thatched roof, little peat fire, couple collie dogs, no roads to it, nobody ever comes by. I just get to sit there by the fire, by the sea, I looked over and Cammie was just looking at me. I went, oh, you can be there. And, I, and her response was pretty much, that wouldn't be heaven for me. I went, oh, fair enough. We'll, we'll visit in a neutral territory. You're going to be special to me. I'm not, uh, Marshall Keeble said it best, and I can't quote him, and I certainly can't say it like he said it. But somebody asked, will we know each other in heaven? And his response was, I don't plan to be any more ignorant up there than I am here. Of course you're going to recognize each other. We take our, you, we say, we, you can't take anything with you. Yeah, you can. You can take your memories, your heart, your good works. In fact, you can even store those up in there so that those people are waiting for you when you get there. You can do all that. But it's not going to be Earth 2.0. It's going to be different. Paul says in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, that we will be translated, is his best way to use that word, into a different form, another kind of body that is not corruptible anymore. 
I'm looking forward to that. He goes on, in fact, to say, haven't you checked your book? Now, about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses in the account of the burning bush how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You're badly mistaken. He's using tense words. When God said, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Jacob and Isaac, were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob alive on earth? You're a little timid of your chronology, aren't you? No, they were dead. But he said, I am their God. He's saying, now, either God's mistaken or you are, but you're badly mistaken. I was asked this weekend by somebody what the bodily resurrection will look like. I have no idea. I have no idea. The Bible talks about the graves open and those that are in them would come up. Does that mean literally that the earth moves and comes up? I don't really know. A lot of folks, that are, most people that are dead are not in graves anymore. They're, they're dirt. Right? As a little boy told his mom, the preacher said, from, God made us out of dust and when we die, we go back to dust. And she goes, yes, that's true. And he said, well, I looked under my bed and somebody's either coming or going. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how this is all going to be formed but I believe it's going to be. And I look forward to it. I've told people that I would like to be in heaven when that all happens because I'd like to have a, a good seat. And the reason and some people say, I'd like to be here to see him coming back. I said, I, I'm afraid. I'll be just walking around and time shall be no more. And he's in, and I'll go eh, and fall over and be on a trip during the whole thing and miss it. You know? And so I'd rather go ahead and die and be up there and, and get a good seat, get there early. I don't want to start talking about the next one because it's huge and our time, we only have about a minute. Anybody have questions or comments? I'm surprised so many people stayed when the kids didn't. That was a, that was a curveball to me as well because they'd been saying for months, no adult classes. And then on Tuesday, they said, well, we found out we need to have adult classes because the teachers upstairs wanted to have theirs. So thanks for hanging in there. Yes, Randy. All right, now, I heard the first part, and I was going to answer that. The last sentence you said was, your spirit goes back to God. Yes. It is the new incorruptible, from what we understand, and again, the Bible does not elaborate in great detail, uh, Basics, excellent question. When you are raised, the new incorruptible body comes to meet your spirit in the air, and you are one there to be one forever with the Lord. So, by the way, the word soul in Scripture usually refers to what we would call a life force. So can a soul die? Yes. Spirit, no. And a lot of people have that twisted the other way around. But I wouldn't fight over it. You know. But the fact is, I'm hoping that the body I get is a whole lot better than this one. I've been praying for that for a long time. So if you see somebody who's really chiseled, bronze, God-looking type person, that'll be me. <laughs> I'll wear a name tag saying, ha-ha. Uh, anyway. All right, go away. Thank you. Cheers.